The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue View. We are breaking down yet another position group wide receivers today. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Mulatto and Chris Flum. As I said, the receiver group, we are taking a look at how they did this past season and then discussing the possible scenarios for the upcoming offseason. Before we get into it, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy listening to the show, leave us a five-star review and also head to BigBlueView.com for more amazing New York Giants content. So this season for the receivers, guys, was an interesting one because there were spurts where we saw some big plays. We were hoping for a really good second season from Darius Slayton. And as a whole, it didn't exactly live up to what I think we were hoping. Maybe it met some expectations, but the big thing for me, guys, that stood out so much and was a big negative that we've mentioned a lot is that the current group, the current receiving group, had a lot of trouble creating separation. You could point at scheme. You could point at... Uh, some of the deficiencies in the receiver group. But overall, the one fact that we have is that they were one of the worst teams in the NFL per uh, you know the stat that you, you have, Chris, at creating separation. And that was pretty apparent when you flipped on the film, and that also led to some issues in the passing game. And frankly, I think it's pretty easy to say that has to be the priority this offseason is resolving those issues with separation because if receivers can't get open – you're not going to win a lot of football games because you can't throw the ball. Yeah, no. If, Like you just said, if receivers can't get open, you are inviting defenses to be able to make plays on the ball. And part of it is scheme. You know, Jason Garrett does use a lot of isolation routes. He uses a lot of concepts that basically trust the receiver to get open on his own. And when you've got Amari Cooper, uh, Des Bryant, uh, T.O., you know, guys that Jason Garrett is used to scheming for and being able to use in his schemes, you know, elite players like that, they have that ability. But even though the Giants don't have really bad receivers, they don't have guys who are natural separators. And that really did cause a lot of problems. Yeah, Chris, you're right. That caused way too many problems, especially for Daniel Jones in his first year in Jason Garrett's offense. And I think we all... We're hoping that Darius Slayton was going to significantly build 
on that first season that was pretty solid. He had eight touchdowns, 740 yards. And while he had more yards in 2020, he only had three touchdowns and two of them were in a week one loss to Pittsburgh, one in garbage time. So that lack of breakout from Darius Slayton also really kind of held this group back. You compare or you combine that with the fact that Golden Tate was kind of a corpse out there, if we're going to be frank. It's unfortunate, but he was definitely, his age showed. There were times where he would be running, you know, a seven-yard out or something along those lines, a seven-yard break, post, corner, whatever it be. And Daniel Jones is already releasing the football to somebody else by the time he gets in and out of his break. And this is somebody that you're rolling out there in 11 personnel. I know we had a couple nice slot verts throughout the season, but I think we can all agree. I think Chris and I definitely agree that Sterling Shepard moving into the slot, I think would benefit this offense. And I, I do not envision Golden Tate being back next off or next season at all. Yeah, especially considering the, the, the amount of cap that he's eating up. And one of the issues that we've not really dove in deep into, but mentioned and touched on is right now the Giants cap situation is not bad they're not it's not as bad as a team like the Eagles but it's not ideal they want to create space so they can inevitably spend money on other players maybe this upcoming free agent period and in the future and the contract that they're paying Golden Tate is just not up to the value that they're getting for what they're what Golden Tate is putting out there on the field he had a significant drop off the frustration that he he voiced quite literally um, because he wasn't getting the football was ironic at times because at the same time that he was angry he wasn't getting the ball, he was just straight up not getting open. I do really like that point, though, the, the Sterling Shepard point of moving him into the slot I think would really uh, full-time would benefit him and benefit the offense. And ultimately, the way that you're going to go about doing this is bringing in somebody who can play that X receiver, that primary number one. He does not have to always be every single play the target of every single pass, but what we're, when we're saying by a number one receiver, just somebody who can divert attention away that might at times need more than just one-on-one man coverage. Yeah, and also somebody who can play that X role. You know, Nick talked about moving Sterling Shepard back into the slot. You know, Golden Tate was a slot receiver, pretty much a slot-only receiver. He can't really function out wide, and... I had thought maybe Sterling Shepard could move into a at least part-time outside receiver. You know, we have we have seen shorter, smaller receivers uh, be able to succeed on the outside, but that's just not Sterling Shepard's game. That never developed, and you know, I, I'll take the L on that one. So th- the Giants need to find that X receiver, the guy who can line up on the line of scrimmage, you know, he doesn't have to be a giant. You know, he doesn't have to be Plexico Burris out there. They could get a guy like Hakeem Nix or Odell Beckham, who was, you know, somewhere between, somewhere around six foot, six one, you know, 198, 205. And that's still plenty big enough to win against most corners and put up a solid 1,000, 1,200 yard season. And then that would allow Shepard to move back to the slot. It would allow... Darius Slayton to be that number three explosive downfield weapon and really be able to get those matchups against one-on-one coverage and maybe a number two or number three corner. Yeah, that would be 
Excellent. I just think the the two-way go you have in the slot and Sterling Shepard's ability to win at the line of scrimmage with his release, combine that with his route running ability and how he kind of sinks his hips in and out of breaks and how he even uses the subtleties of the position, with shoulder fakes, head fakes, the flipper at the top of a break to just create that extra separation would really help Daniel Jones and this offense in those third and short situations where Daniel Jones can look for Sterling Shepard and then come off of him if he is covered and find somebody else in the flat or something like that, just to assist this offense in those key third down situations, putting Sterling Shepard in the slot, I really think will help Jason Garrett and the offense if that is what's going to happen, which you would envision is the path for 2021. Yeah, And you talk about uh, Sterling Shepard separating. He was the Giants' best separator. He was the mm-hmm. the only one they had who could con- consistently uh, generate any kind of separation with his route running. Yeah, he... Even then, it was still only about three yards of separation, which is not a lot. It's really middle of the road league-wide, but that's a hell of a lot more than Golden Tate and Darius Slayton were generating, which was just above two yards, which is right at the bottom of the league. I think Golden Tate was tied for fourth least separation, and Darius Slayton was... I think tied for fifth or sixth least. So three yards on average isn't a ton. You know, he's not wide open all the time, but considering the area of the field he runs, uh, how quickly he gets open, that's plenty. And that is a good thing for the Giants to be able to try to maximize going forwards. I think Sterling Shepard's route running ability is also undersold. And I don't know if like Giant fans or just people who follow the game understand how nuance Sterling Shepard is with his routes. Uh, he's, a, he's a very fun watch, Chris. I'm sure you would concur. Oh, absolutely. I, I have been a fan of his route running since Oklahoma. He he is one of those guys. He can win against pretty much every type of coverage. And he really does it with his route running, with those nuances, the little fakes, the way he can change up his tempo, uh, almost use the defender's expectations against them. Yeah, He's not the fastest. He's not He's not Tyreek Hill quick. He's got some good ups, but he's not stupidly explosive. But he is just just such a technician when it comes to running his routes that it, it really is fun to watch. And for that big reason, the stuff that you guys highlighted here with Sterling Shepard, I think that an indirect priority here is allowing him to play what is going to be his best role, which is coming out of the slot, the way that he's built, that that route running, all the things that we've mentioned here. And ultimately, the way that they're going to do that which we're going to spend the second half of the show talking about, is addressing adding another player into the mix. The current group that they have now is not going to produce better results in 2021 if they do not add somebody else in there to, again, divert attention, just change things up, add a different skill set to the group. We're going to spend the remaining part of the show, as I said, talking about that. Before we do so, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 
200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. There are multiple directions here for the Giants over the offseason in order to address this receiver group of the current roster. And the ones that we're going to touch on are the possibility of trading for a big-name player, the action of signing a big-name free agent, or drafting a receiver within the first three rounds. The first one let's address here, and this one I think is a lot, a little bit more cut and dry, taking the action of trading for and going and getting a receiver from another team that maybe is disgruntled or just seeking an opportunity to get away or a team just doesn't want to pay them and they need to get them off their roster. An example of this is what the Bills did last year, going and getting Stephon Diggs, adding him into the mix, and he was a big reason why Josh Allen did so well. But it's not that simple to say that the Giants can do this and create immediate success. And the one thing I believe we all agree on here is it's probably not best for the Giants specifically to do something like this and go make a big trade to go out and get a similar type player like a Stephon Diggs. Yeah, the the trade market does have some opportunities to for teams to take advantage. Uh, like you say, uh, Stefan Diggs, we've seen uh, the Seahawks and Patriots and Eagles take advantage of the trade market, especially with older players, guys who don't have a whole lot of time left, uh, maybe at the tail end of a contract, and the team they have w- wants to get something for them before they leave. But the Giants really aren't in a great position to do that just because they are in a really tight spot when it comes to trade pieces. You know, they don't have draft picks to trade. They only have six draft picks and they need each and every one of them. Uh, they don't have a whole lot in terms of assets on their roster that they can move. So the only name that I could kind of think of as a potential trade target that might be somewhat within the realm of possibility, but uh, nothing to get excited about or pound the table for would be, Nikhil Harry over at the over New England he might be available simply because he's kind of been a draft bust for them but there is that connection there we know Dave Gettleman the Giants they're all about connections and familiarity Joe Judge worked with Nikhil Harry as a rookie you know there is that New England connection he does have the size the Giants lack and he was a first round pick so you could get him under control for another three years but you know that's 
not exactly a uh, super exciting trade prospect. Hey, he'd fit right in though because he can't create any separation either. Uh, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got That's a brand to maintain here, <laughs> right? No, I, I can uh, I understand the logic though, just from the sense of that he has worked with Joe Judge, and if that trade were to ever happen, which I don't think any of us expected to, if that trade were to happen, it would be for a very late pick. It wouldn't be anything even close to where this dude was drafted because he's been a pretty huge bust there over the last two seasons. Yeah, and ultimately, though, as you can see, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for them to go and make a trade. We're not even Tyler entirely sure. We can't even speculate who is possibly available in addition to that. But what we can talk about are the upcoming free agents. And this receiver group is actually an interesting one. There's a lot of really fun names in here that can step in and be immediate impact players. Just to rattle through a few of them, Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers, Chris Godwin from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kenny Galladay from the Detroit Lions, Will Fuller from the Houston Texans, and then also T.Y. Hilton. For me, the the few that stick out the most are Kenny Galladay because it just feels like he's going to end up leaving Detroit with the new direction that they are headed in. And then I feel like it's pretty clear to see that Will Fuller is probably not going to be coming back to that Houston team. And could he's somebody who is good at creating separation because he is so freaking fast. So adding in somebody like that into the mix might be a huge boost to this receiving group. I would agree with that. I mean, obviously the whole steroid issue, we ended up getting suspended towards the end of the season. You would imagine that's going to be uh that's going to be over with once he comes over to his new team. He won't be using anymore, but his his injury history is pretty extensive. And Kenny Galladay's injury history is also pretty extensive as well, but he's a dynamic downfield threat, big body, win contested catches. But I think my favorite receiver um, in the free agency group would actually be Allen Robinson. It doesn't seem like he's going to end up going back to Chicago because they had an entire year to work out a contract, and they did not. And I think feel like he's bitter because of that. I don't know if he's going to want to go to the Giants to play with Daniel Jones. And I'm not knocking Daniel Jones, but it just seems like Allen Robinson really probably wants to go to a quarterback that is much more established and not as young as Daniel Jones because Allen Robinson has played with Blake Bortles. He's played with Mitchell Trubisky. I think he played with Christian Hackenberg back in college. So he probably wants to go with a really established and really already proven type of quarterback, but he would probably be my number one option out of all these guys. Yeah, I I can't help but be drawn with, you know, especially after this weekend, Chris Godwin, in addition to being a really fun, good receiver, he's also a pretty darn good blocker. I think an underrated blocker. And also Juju Smith-Schuster is just fun. Yeah, I... Maybe New York fans, Dave Gettleman in particular, wouldn't be too keen on bringing in a wide receiver who likes to dance, but uh, Juju is just fun. We talked about this during the season way back in week one. He is one of the best Twitter follows around. Uh, I was a fan of his back in college. He is a guy, he just wins. He can go up and get the ball. He can win contested catch situations. He has great size and he is a better athlete than he tested. Then there's some other ideas, you know, Curtis Samuel, again, the, the connections are there, former Carolina, potentially former Carolina Panther. Uh, he was drafted by Gettleman. Uh, Corey Davis, he was a very highly drafted wide receiver. He did. He hasn't really lived up to his draft pedigree. You know, again, there's a whole lot of, I think, 
bust potential there with a signing. I'm not sure if you uh, really want to give him a big contract. So that that could actually appeal to the Giants as a potential high-risk, high-reward move. But this is definitely an interesting wide receiver class. Absolutely. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up is the contracts of all these guys, because a lot of these guys' contracts are going to obviously obviously be a bit more severe. So I'm wondering if a guy like Corey Davis, if he would be had on the cheap for a, a lesser deal, like a two-year deal or where – I don't exactly know how to gauge some of these contracts for some of these players. And then when you look at T.Y. Hilton and Marvin Jones, those are two older players. What are they going to go for on the market? What do you guys think? I personally wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of one-year prove-it deals this year just because the salary mm-hmm. cap is shrinking. So teams are probably going to be hesitant, well, most teams anyway. The, the Jets and the Jaguars are going to be whales out there. But uh, I, I think most teams are going to be hesitant to hand out big contracts simply because yeah, they might not have the money to spend. I, the Giants are probably going to have to make some roster cuts. You know, we talked about Golden Tate, but there's also Nate Solder, Levine Toilolo, uh, you know, maybe even some tougher cuts like Kevin Zeitler, just to be able to sign their rookie class, let alone go out for free agent shopping. Yeah, that that's a really good point. I think that there's going to be a, a good assortment of names that will be surprised that either stick around for a long period of time because they are waiting for a big contract to fall in their lap. Maybe you have some players come back to some some team friendly deals. But there are ultimately, like you mentioned here, Chris, there are going to be teams at the top. And I think the few that have the the most cap space are in need of receivers, if we're talking specifically about receivers. So maybe the top five in this group ends up making really good money. But um, I very well could see the remaining guys, maybe after Will Fuller, when you get slower down, further down this list. Um, those guys end up on one to two year prove it deals because they just realistically teams cannot afford to keep any of these players. But overall, I think when you talk about this group, the easiest thing that you can take away without even mentioning any of the names is that really there's very few guys that I would be disappointed with. And I think the Giants, you could go and get any of these players named and they would be a huge boost to the group and would help out the Giants receiving core um, and would be impactful for a few years for however long they sign them to be a part of this Giants team. The final directional piece here, and you could argue that they could still do both of these things in terms of free agency and drafting, but if they don't sign anybody in free agency, there's nobody that they like or they can't agree to a good contract that works for them. The other option then becomes drafting somebody early and then developing them and help, hoping that they have an immediate impact within their first few years because that is the window you're trying to hit with Daniel Jones's rookie contract. And the names that we've thrown out there a ton, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase if he slides a little bit. And then you, when you get into that final end of the first round, early second, because there's so many guys, guys could end up sliding a little bit. Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney. There is a really fun group of receivers here, and maybe not all of them step in and have a Justin Jefferson type impact. You can still get guys coming in and contributing and helping out this team improved, improve in the second year of Jason Garrett's uh, control of this offense. I think it's uh, interesting, too, because Dave Gettleman made a point in that postseason presser to mention wide receiver. And I feel like Dave Gettleman is probably terrible at poker. He shows his hand. He shows his face. Everyone knew he loved Saquon Barkley. There were leaks that he loved Daniel Jones. And him putting such a precedent 
on in that interview talking about the wide receiver position to me suggests that they're probably going to go wide receiver at 11 if they don't sign someone like Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson or Chris Godwin. So at that 11 pick, if they do not trade back, which is not of the Dave Gettleman M.O., we may see the Giants go with a playmaking type of wide receiver or maybe Kyle Pitts, who is a tight end, who can be a wide receiver. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Now it's going to come down to who will be available, how many of these guys will be available, and what what will happen if Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Jamar Chase are all gone. Would they go with Kyle Pitts? Well, I, I have to say, for me, Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver, period. I think if he is drafted as a tight end, uh, that is a wasted pick. Any play where he is in line blocking, uh, you're doing offense wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe out wide blocking on a running play or a screenplay, fine. But he should not be back in pass protection. That is just a bad use of assets. But for me, the guy I, I, I'm actually really curious about is Jamar Chase. You know, he came in, he was unquestionably wide receiver one in this class you know after last year at lsu with joe burrow putting up just stupid numbers yeah it it wasn't really a question that he would probably be a top five pick but then you know he opts out of this year out of sight out of mind he only has one year of production coming into the nfl meanwhile Devontae smith he has a year where he is just ridiculously productive wins the heisman trophy he puts up stupid numbers i I think there's a legitimate chance that Smith is the first wide receiver off the board, especially after the senior bowl this week. You know, it, that is set up almost perfectly for him to just take the game over, to take over practices. Well, he's not going to be practicing though because of the broken hand, but he will be going through all of the everything else. So if I think, especially I think for him, the important part will be the measurements. And if he, if he measures in at, not whip thin you know if he comes in at you know above 180 pounds that'll answer answer a lot of questions about him he's gonna come he's gonna come in like levi wallace man levi wallace <laughs> the senior bowl was like 170 pounds at cornerback and everybody who was in the room was just like oh my gosh this dude needs to eat <laughs> <laughs> so the rumor has it that i apparently have heard is that uh devonta smith is like 164 so those dreams of him being 180 chris uh Probably Ooh. not going to happen. <laughs> now, guys, I want to circle back to Kyle Pitts for a second. Mm-hmm. We know that Jason Garrett loves using 12, 13 personnel. Sometimes he'll line up in a condensed formation and then spread them out and have Evan Ingram in the slot and then sometimes even Caden Smith. I'm wondering if <laughs> the allure of Kyle Pitts in that kind of situation where, yes, you don't want him. He's not an ideal blocker, but he can do it. He's going to try hard. Similar to Evan Ingram, I would say he's probably a little bit better, but obviously Evan Ingram is a much more experienced player at this point. But I'm imagining Kyle Pitts in that offense where you can come out in that personnel defense, subs their guys in, and then you could spread Evan Ingram and Kyle Pitts out and get them into space. That'd be a unique thing for Jason Garrett. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, that that is exactly what I'm envisioning. Or even just convert him into Plaxico Burris. That's a comparison I've made before. You know, just as a ginormous receiver, a guy that defenses just are not equipped to deal with. But with that experience at tight end, you could use him as that matchup nightmare, as a guy you can move around the offensive formation. You could possibly get him singled up on a linebacker, and you know, there just are not many linebackers equipped to deal with him. The 
the physical traits are just so rare. And I think if an offense and a coach has the has the vision to be able to craft an offense with him in mind and his unique traits, yet he is going to be incredibly difficult to stop. Yeah, he is going to give defensive coordinators fits if he is used correctly. Yeah, and that's what makes things exciting with talking about Kyle Pitts and him be it's just an odd thing to to really predict because there are definitely people out there that agree with you Chris that he might be a receiver but ultimately if he does remain a tight end the Giants have not been afraid to use multiple tight ends so instead of saying all right we're going to go get a receiver we're just going to draft the best available offensive weapon that is also capable of catching passes they would be more than happy to deploy a group that is Evan Ingram, Kyle Pitts, and Caden Smith. Again, considering how much they've run two tight ends, and then on top of that, how much they've we've seen them run three tight ends in some of the formations. So it's just an added wrinkle to the offense that maybe all three of those guys are gone and off the board that we talked about. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, you're frustrated, and then you just decide to pull the trigger if you're Dave Gettleman and say, screw it, we're just going to take the best offensive player and we're going to kick the crap out of opposing secondaries because we've got too many big, fast guys for everybody to keep up with. That could look a lot like the Baltimore offense, except, you know, without Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. But with those multiple tight end groups and, you know, similar in some ways to maybe Kansas City with uh, Kelsey out there being just too big, too fast and able to do too many things out of alignments defenses just are not used to contending with. I think it would be really, really interesting, guys. Someone just prognosticating right now what if it's Jalen Waddle and Kyle Pitts who are available at 11 what direction would they go you think they would just go with Waddle that explosive type of player because you brought up and just a parallel to the Kansas City Chiefs you see comparisons Jalen Waddle to Tyreek Hill I don't think that's entirely accurate but similar explosive smaller type of receivers Kyle Pitts to Travis Kelsey obviously not entirely accurate but just similar in very adept pass catching tight ends you think they would just go with the wide receiver in that situation I would argue that it would probably be the receiver. If 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 a receiver's on the board that they like, they're probably going to go in that direction, which it probably would be Jalen Waddle. I I feel like if they go Kyle Pitts, it would be a last resort. They're frustrated that they missed out on some of the other big name offensive players, and they just chose to at least get someone talented in the first round rather than not addressing it until later on in the draft. Um, I think that Waddle would probably be the pick, especially because overall, I think adding speed is never a problem. You know, adding someone who's compact and and fast and and good at uh, creating space, like we're talking about, Waddle would be fully capable of doing that. Yeah, I, I agree. I uh, I think just being old school, traditional, that is the Giants' DNA. And given the choice between uh, picking a new school hybrid player or a guy you kind of sort of have to project because Kyle Pitts did play more than a little bit of receiver in Florida's offense, but versus a full-time wide receiver, a guy you can turn on the tape and he's at receiver every single time. He might be doing a lot of blocking himself there. He was kind of buried on that Alabama roster, but rightfully so with all of the first round top 10 talents they had there. But yeah, I, I think it's just an 
easier pick for the Giants to make to go with Waddle. To me, the interesting thing that could happen is what if all four of them go? Uh, that's happened in a few mock drafts I've run. I don't think it's particularly likely, but what if somehow, some way, all four of those guys go in the top 10? You know, where where do the Giants turn then? You know, obviously, they probably go for a defensive player in the first round. What about in the second or third rounds? Second and third rounds, there was going to be some really interesting wide receivers. But in that first round, you would imagine they would load up on defense because if those four are gone, there are going to be some really good prospects that are going to be around at 11 if they do not trade back. But there are some later round guys. I mean, Terrence Marshall may be there in the second round. Kadarius Toney, who's a smaller type of electrifying receiver who is very, very exciting. A lot of people say he's a human joystick, which I feel like there's like five human joysticks in every single draft. <laughs> it's like a slap in the face to Dante Hall, but it's whatever. In the later rounds, though, I like a guy like Amir Smith-Marset, who is another one of those really, really agile type of receivers, playmaking type of receivers, and then a bigger body dude who could fill that X receiver role, who could be available round three, maybe even in the in day three, because the depth in this draft is a lot of wide receivers, similar to last year's draft, a lot of very good, skilled wide receivers, someone like Seth Williams from Auburn. And as you can tell, there's a pretty creative multiple there's multiple creative directions that the giants could go in this upcoming draft class and that is something that we'll continue to evaluate throughout this this draft process we will have a receiver show coming out discussing some of the best names to be aware about in the 2021 nfl draft folks thank you for tuning in that is all we have on this wide receiver evaluation show uh, be sure to follow us on social media at big blue view Head to BigBlueView.com and also hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Stay tuned for later in the week as Chris and I highlight the safety group uh, in the 2021 draft.